0: The World Baseball Classic is underway for the first time since 2017, and it is providing a unique and insightful look at baseball within and beyond the Americas. It's Wednesday, March 8th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. Twenty national teams, divided into four groups, are competing in the World Baseball Classic and the star power or lack thereof in each team creates a heat map of baseball enthusiasm around the world. I won't be the first person to make this comparison, but it's worth starting with the co-favorites to win the whole thing, the US and the Dominican Republic. The US has a population of 334 million people, the DR has a population of 11 million. The U.S. has a GDP of $23.3 trillion, or around $70,000 per capita. The DR has a GDP of $94 billion, or around $8,500 per capita. But their baseball teams are the two best in the world, and it's not easy to pick between them. The Dominican Republic won it all in 2013, and the U.S. won the most recent one in 2017, eliminating the DR along the way in a game that people still talk about. Hit well out to right center field. Jones still on the move, running out of room. Mike Trout and Bryce Harper, two of the biggest U.S. born stars in the game, committed early to this World Baseball Classic. And once they are in, a bunch of other top U.S. players jumped in too. Harper is injured, but the U.S. has Trout, NL MVP Paul Goldschmidt, Pete Alonso, Trey Turner, and other huge stars. The Dominican Republic team is so good that they can lose Vlad Guerrero Jr., who was a monster of a hitter, who had to bow out due to knee inflammation, and they can still roll out Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Rafael Devers, Julio Rodriguez, and a bunch of other fantastic players. I had an email interview with Rodriguez recently, and he said, quote, In the DR, baseball is everything. I love watching all of the fans and sports in the US, but in the DR, it's like all of that fandom combined into one. There is just so much passion and energy in every inning. You'll see it soon in the WBC. One thing you notice when you look over these rosters is that the hitting is much stronger than the pitching, especially the starting pitching. If the US was an MLB team, it would have the best lineup in baseball by a wide margin, an elite bullpen, and below average starting pitching. This event is riskier for pitchers, who are used to ramping up steadily from throwing three innings to four to five, and maybe in their last one or two spring training starts, they're pitching like they're in regular games. The pitchers in the WBC have had a little time to get warm, but not the usual long ramp up. So we're probably gonna see a whole lot of offense, and as we get into the elimination games, teams going to their bullpens really early. There's one other team that has a good shot to compete for the title. Japan is the other team that no one would be surprised to see win this whole thing, and it shows the strength of their National League Nippon Professional Baseball. They have the incredible Shohei Otani, they have Yu Darvish and a couple of other MLB players, but the rest of the roster plays in Japan. Between Otani, Darvish, and Roki Sasaki, who's 21 and last year came within one inning of two consecutive perfect games, Japan might have the best pitching in the tournament. Japan won the first two WBCs in 2006 and 2009, and this will be another opportunity for Japanese players to show they can hang with the best in the world. Other teams to keep an eye on. Venezuela would be an above-average MLB team. Puerto Rico and Mexico are pretty strong as well. Cuba and South Korea both have very strong baseball cultures and could surprise a few people. Canada has some strong players, and the Netherlands have a pretty good team with only a few members that were actually born in the Netherlands. They do have players like Xander Bogarts and Kenley Jansen, who are born respectively in Aruba and Curaçao, which are Caribbean islands that still have Dutch ties from colonial times. But if you want a feel-good story, look no further than the Czech Republic team. These other teams are populated by players whose jobs are professional baseball player. Here are the jobs of the players representing the Czech Republic. My name is Petr Zima, I'm a financial trader, I'm a DH for the Czech team. Arnoš Dubovi, center field, teacher on
1: high school geography and physical education.
0: My name is Martin Červenka, I'm a sales representative for Silvan SRO and I'm a catcher for the Czech national team. So, hello,
1: I'm Matej Menší, my job
0: is... To get I to the World Baseball Classic, they beat the Spanish national team in an upset victory. They now find themselves in a group with Japan, Korea, Australia and China. Two teams from each group advances to the playoff round. It would be a surprise to see them advance over at least one of Japan and Korea. But hey, they've come this far, and two victories might just be enough. Whatever happens, it's awesome that they've made it this far, and I bet we'll get some fun stories out of this before it's all done. Up next, I spoke to senior writer at The Athletic, Evan Drellick. Drellick broke the story of the Houston Astros cheating scandal along with Ken Rosenthal, in which they were watching the opposing team's catcher call for pitches using a camera in center field. They would then signal to the batter what was coming using a few different methods, namely banging a trash can with a baseball bat. Drellick's book Winning Fixes Everything, which I heartily recommend, delves into how that happened, but more than that explores the cutthroat management culture that led the Astros to push boundaries more than any other team. That resulted in a bizarre combination of disgrace and a World Series title. We'll have that conversation right after this. NetSuite gives you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, and budgeting, so you can manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need all in one place. So, how do you prepare for uncertain times? The answer, NetSuite. NetSuite helps you identify rising costs, automate your business processes, and easily see where to save money. That's why 93% of customers say they improve their visibility and control when they upgraded to NetSuite. What are you waiting for? Right now, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind, flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash frontoffice right now. netsuite.com frontoffice. netsuite.com frontoffice. All right, I'm joined by senior writer Evan Drellick of The Athletic and author of Winning Fixes Everything about the Astros cheating scandal. Welcome, Evan. Thanks for having me, Owen. Your book is, of course, it's about the Astros cheating scandal. But really, it's also a history of Jeff Lunau, the now former Astros GM, starting with his time at the Cardinals and continuing on, to, of course, his time at the Astros. So why was that the story for you? If, you know, it is the story of the cheating scandal, but why is that cheating scandal story the story of Jeff Lunau?
1: I think the cheating scandal is an entree for people to the book, and the book certainly goes to great lengths to explain what was going on. Uh, But I think even more importantly, it's how did it happen? Why did it happen? There's a cover of a, uh, on the cover, there's a baseball. But it's really a management culture book. It's really a discussion of the culture that was in place in Houston that Luno, as well as Jim Crane, the owner, brought in. The outgrowth of Moneyball, um, what franchises and smart front offices tried to do in the wake of Moneyball as, as time went on. Uh, And, you know, what else did it rot on the sport besides uh, wins and new technology and uh, all the good things that the Astros did? And, uh, you know, I I think it really succeeds in being a look under the hood of how a front office and in particular Houston's front office is run.
0: Yeah. And the, the money ball comparison, I think, is apt because, you know, the A's, of course, are, are known t- kind of tragically at this point. But for, you know, not being precious at all with their fan favorites, you know, if, if they think uh, a trade or just and, and not signing a player is good for their long term future, they'll do it. And the Astros really took that attitude. And I think, you know, people think, well, they, they cheated their way through the World Series and they did. But also, they were a really well-built team and remain a a really strong team through these methods that were unorthodox and uh, and turned a lot of heads. So, talk to me a little bit just about how that, um, where the motivation for that came from.
1: Yeah, Moneyball, as we know, really changes the sport. And it's a crossover hit. It's a great book, great bit of writing and reporting by Michael Lewis. But, you know, you have these owners in the sport who are looking at Moneyball and going, well, we should be doing this. And what is Moneyball really about at the end of the day? It's about money. It's about cost efficiency. It's about, you know, how to, uh, A, better evaluate players and, B, do that in a way that you can win by spending less. And, you know, the Astros under Crane and Luno take that to the next level or the next several levels. It's – luno doesn't have an opportunity to work in the sport if it's not for moneyball uh and and there's a lot of people like that people who grow up reading bill james and um were outsiders and now there's a chance to get in the sport which is generally a good thing that you have new voices and and new methods that can come in Uh, but you also had the opportunity for for people like luno to chase fame and glory and Um, take things to an extreme. And when you take Moneyball principles, the cost efficiency, the value engineering, and apply it across the entirety of an organization, there can be a lot of drawbacks. There can be a lot of effects on different stakeholders, on labor players, on people just in the front office, regular folks making regular salaries. So um, the the story of the Astros is is largely the story of what Moneyball the outgrowth of moneyball becomes
0: yeah and the the personal element i found really interesting where this was you know an exciting innovating team at the same time it felt like it wasn't very fun to work for for a lot of people because you know you you might get fired at any moment if you weren't one of luno's guys and um and and just you you couldn't you can never quite feel comfortable in your your role and how it was changing especially on the scouting side um There's a quote right in the middle of the book, right as you're getting into the actual cheating, the, you know, trash banging, that part of it, um, that I found it it felt like sort of core, at least part of the core of the message of the book. Uh, So you write, it's hard to say the Astros were the most likely team in baseball to start cheating, but there couldn't have been a a team more poorly prepared to stop cheating. So, and of course, they weren't the only team that was cheating, but why were they the team that couldn't stop once they started.
1: Yeah, and this is kind of the reason that the book starts much earlier than the cheating scheme. And, and you, you have, I think, you know, nine or ten chapters before you really get to the Astros cheating. Um, because at that point, I, I hope you, it is clear to the reader uh, what all the other things are that are going on inside the organization. What's going ins- on inside the organization? There's a lot of distrust. Uh, people are not treated well. A lot of people have been let go. Uh, salaries are very intentionally kept very low. Uh, re- relationships are strained. Luno himself is a, is a poor communicator, doesn't respond to emails quickly. If he does, uh, you know, it could be short, brief things. Um, so when you put all this together, the distrust that existed between Luno and his manager, A.J. Hinch, uh, the distrust that exists between Hinch and his bench coach, Alex Cora, uh, the strategies that the Astro's front office had tried to take on with players, particularly in arbitration, that creates distrust. You know and on top of that, the focus in Houston was really kind of two things. It was winning and making money, and the rest of it be damned. Well, when you arrive at a point where your players in your clubhouse looking around at other teams going, "I think you know they're they're doing some form of cheating. Well, let's cheat better than them. You don't have the mechanisms, the culture the system in place to be able to get out in front of that and stop it. It it, it was not an organization where, you know, it was going to be handled properly. And, you know, on top of all this, you have this great team on the field in 17, you have this cheating scheme going on. You, You, as Jeff Luno, you bring in McKinsey and company to evaluate not the business functions, but baseball operations in the middle of this 2017 season. You literally have McKinsey consultants sitting down with players and coaching staff, and there's an evaluation of A.J. Hinch and his in-game decision-making. That's not going to create a, a culture where Hinch is going to trust uh, what's going on above him. And you probably need that if you're going to be in a position to stop uh, the cheating. Right? Is Hinch going to run to Luno? Hey, we got a problem here. No, no. And so there, there's myriad examples of the different ways the Astros were really very broken on
0: the inside. One thing you you said at the top that this was really a book about management culture, it is about baseball, but it's also about this this business culture that is very prevalent in America right now. And one thing I kept thinking about was how um, this idea of of just win, you know, whatever it takes. Don't be precious about it. Don't be cute. Just if it's going to get the job done, you just do it. That is so prized right now. Like people love the term, like scrappiness. Like you're 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 just gonna figure it out. You know, it, it doesn't have to be. Uh, you know, the way things were always done. Yeah, you know, what what I, I found striking about the book is that culture is. I mean, there's a reason that Luno got the job. That that's still that thinking is still very prevalent in baseball um, and, and in so much of the world of, of just being clever and efficient. And if you got to fire some people, fire some people. If you got to get rid of some fan favorites, like, oh, well, that's that's the cost of winning. And so the cheating does feel like a smaller step than it might have from the outside, because it was just the the next step in this whole progression of what does it take to win?
1: I agree with that. And it, it is prevalent in outside industry and in, in, in American and, and probably beyond uh, culture. You know, it, it's Um, it's very bottom line driven. And the Astros are really kind of the extreme example of how that can go awry. When you are so focused on the bottom line, wins and profits in the case of a baseball team, what can you miss? Famously, Jim Crane, the owner, gives Luno a blank piece of paper when Luno's taken over and the message is, it's your oyster. Build it how it should be built. And Luno does build things that are quite smart in terms of the core Process behind building a roster, how to evaluate players. But it's everything else that he didn't pay attention to. It's compliance, uh, ethics, uh, treating people well, making sure people get promotions, making sure people are paid. Uh, and, you know, even if the cheating doesn't happen, there's still a book about the Astros and what was going wrong with the Astros. You still have that incident where the assistant general manager, Brandon Taubman, gets fired for a drunken outburst in the clubhouse right before the World Series in 2019, right after the Astros beat the Yankees in the ALCS. Um, I hope when people read the book that they are considering really that question you're posing. Is it just about the end or do the means matter? And in the case of Houston, I think we have a clear example where, you know what, the means did end up mattering. The 2017 Astros, the conversation does not stop at they held up a trophy at the end of the year but that's pretty rare that's pretty rare that you get this really outlying uh outlier event in, in the cheating uh but you know you when you understand how the team was actually run i, I think it becomes very obvious that
0: boy something was going to go wrong here and multiple things did All right, the book is winning fixes everything evandrelic thanks so much for joining us on the podcast thanks owen that's it for today. Subscribe if you haven't already. We have some great interviews coming up that you won't want to miss. This is still a very new show and we would really appreciate your help in getting the word out. So tell your friends, leave us a rating or review, or just say hi to me on Twitter, I'm at Owen Poindexter. We'll see you tomorrow.